Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome, friends. We are so glad that you have joined our conversation today. We have really been covering some of these topics in little bits and bites over the last little bit that we've been doing our podcast. And so we really have been praying about topics and what we wanted to do. And today we decided we wanted to jump in with both feet (laughs) (laughs) and, and talk about child development and spiritual formation. Dr. Virginia, do you feel like this is a really important topic for children's ministers to dig into? Yes, absolutely. So we want to understand um, where kids are developmentally, how they think, how they process information, and then how do we um, encourage them in their walk to know Christ better, whether even before they have become Christians and accepted Christ, like how do we teach them the gospel? How do we teach them the Bible well at every age and at every stage? Um, and so really our time together today is going to be like a big 30,000 foot view. That's one of the things we're talking about. Like we could talk about this for hours, <laughs> but we are going to try to hit some of the high points and give a brief overview of what kids are like, kind of characteristics at each developmental stage, and how we can minister to them at each developmental stage. Yes, you have to realize that Dr. Virginia and I both are such huge fans of levels of biblical learning. We're such huge fans of the way children learn and child This is our bread and butter. We love this stuff. Yes, we could talk (laughs) about this forever. And so we are trying to rein ourselves in as much as we can with this topic. (laughs) Our ministry is unique because we're not working with children that are all at the same developmental level. They have, they all have different ways of understanding. They all have different ways of learning. When you're a child, you haven't learned how to learn. Mm -hmm. You learn in the way that just comes naturally to you. And we're all individuals and we're all different. And so we're working with a large group of little people who are still learning and still growing and changing on a daily basis. I mean, if you teach a kindergarten class, the kindergartners you teach in September are very different from the kindergartners you're going to be teaching in May. Right. And so it's necessary for us to understand not just their physical developments and their cognitive development, but that we also understand their spiritual development and how they learn and understand. And so that's why we get so excited about it. Because <laughs> so we, we love this stuff. Learn and understand. And it's so very specific to the age group that you're working with. And so we just want to sort of jump in today and I'm going to let Virginia start us. And we're <laughs> going to just talk a little bit about how children learn and develop and how they understand spiritual aspects of life. Yeah. So let's start with infancy. Okay. Um, so a lot of people don't necessarily think about the bed babies room as being ministry, but it is. It um, one of the things, so when babies' needs are met, whenever they grow up in a warm and caring environment, they learn that the world is a place that they can trust. Yeah. 
And so we always want our churches to be warm, friendly, loving, trustworthy places um, from from birth, from infancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why, you know, having um, babies rooms, our little bed babies rooms um, that are filled with warm and caring adults who respond to children's needs quickly. Not that we can always cry, calm every single crying baby, because sometimes we can't. Sometimes we got to, you know, call in mom and dad. But but, you know, loving them well, caring for them well, um, yes. singing hymns and songs to the babies, having, yes. you know, soft, gentle music playing, um, just making that a warm and caring environment so that from infancy, from birth, children learn that church is a place where they are loved, they are wanted, they are cared for, and that is safe for them. Yes. I have a big proponent of having the scripture verses for each week's lesson posted in the baby room over the changing table, over the rocking chairs where leaders as they're caring for the infants can speak the word of God over them as they're changing a diaper, as they're rocking them, they're singing the words of God. They're speaking the words of God. And one of the things I've always said is if we truly believe that the Bible is a living, breathing Mm -hmm. word of God that can change lives, then we have to believe that if it's even spoken over a child, it's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so these are opportunities where we can speak the word of God over our children. And there are also opportunities where we can pray individually for their families. Mm -hmm. If I'm rocking Little Tommy, I can be praying for Tommy. I can be praying for his parents, for his grandparents, and I can be a part of his spiritual formation just Mm -hmm. by praying for him and by speaking the word of God over him. And so if we instill this in our leaders, if a church is teaching their infants well, Mm. then I know that they're going to be teaching their third graders well. Because it's so important for us to be able to focus on that too. Amen. Amen. And as they grow into toddlers, which is where like my personal children are at right now. (laughs) And if you've ever met a toddler, um, they are, you know, exploring the world. They are asserting their independence, wanting to do things on their own. (laughs) They are testing those boundaries. Right. And Um, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. It's the way that they're growing. Yes. It's how they're learning right now. And so if we can give them opportunities to explore at church, um, even through hands-on messy activities, um, that is awesome. Yeah. That's how they learn. It's so much fun. (laughs) I really, really do. I do. Yes. I keep saying we're going to do that episode, painting with toddlers. (laughs) Maybe we could do an episode on just like activities with preschoolers because like Play-Doh or like water play or, you know, all these are just great hands-on ways for our toddlers to learn Um, and and little ways to give them little bits of of independence. So helping you lay out the coloring sheets on the table or wash their hands independently after you played with the Play-Doh, that kind of thing. Um, Those little opportunities for independence can go a very long way um, with a toddler. And don't be afraid to use a Bible with yes. them. having yes. them hold the word of God, touching the word of God, it begins to instill in them that the Bible is something that they can use themselves. It's for them. And I even had a parent tell me one time that he grew up in a home where his parents put the Bible like on a shelf and said, it's a sacred book. We don't touch it. it was that he would come and pick up his, his toddler 
every Sunday. And he would see that we had Bibles out and that the kids were using the Bibles and that we were holding them and helping them and letting them turn the pages. And, and yes, I know sometimes Bibles will get torn a little bit or, and and it's not that I don't want to show respect to them, but I want the kids to be using them. But that parent said to us that because he saw his toddler touching it, that he felt like for the first time in his life that he could actually read it himself, that it was okay for him to have the Bible in his hands wow. and for him to read it. And so the Bible's for him, for, for his him. toddler and for right. him. And for him. And so wow. not only are we helping the spiritual development of our toddlers when they're using the word of God and when we're teaching them, but the parents are learning as well from it. And so I think it's just vital that we do that. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. And and as our toddlers grow and as they push those boundaries, giving clear and consistent boundaries, um, help them feel safe and secure as they are exploring an unknown and sometimes scary world. You know, stuff that doesn't seem scary to us is new and scary to them. Um, And so having clear and consistent boundaries that you're going to have to repeat all the time because they have, Mm -hmm. I mean, literally like a two to three minute attention span. Yes. Um, But if that much, sometimes. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. But having those clear and consistent boundaries, having a routine, having a structure in your room, like, okay, we come in and we do our color sheet and then we sing our songs and we eat our snack and we do our Bible lesson. Like mm-hmm. having that routine is also hugely helpful um, really for is. any age, um, but especially in the toddler and preschool years as well, that, that routine is very, very helpful. Structure makes them feel safe. It yes. makes them feel a part of your ministry because they know what's coming. And so they feel comfortable with that. And so it really is important that you do have a, a process, a, a schedule that you meet um, each week with them. And so that's going to only help you with, especially with discipline issues, but also just with classroom control. And and so it's an important thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things, one of the things that I love studying about is, um, brain development in kids and um, just neurology and just all this really cool stuff. One of the things that we see in that first three years of life is absolutely explosive brain development and tons and tons and tons of new neural connections being made. Lots of learning happening in that first three years. And then usually around age three, um, there's a season of what's called synaptic pruning, where the brain is pruning away neural connections that maybe aren't as necessary anymore or as used as much. Um, And so toddlers' brains are sort of like being honed and refined during this time as well. And so if you think about as an adult on days when you do a lot of heavy brain work, yesterday was a day like that for me. I was (laughs) like reconciling receipts and I was like just doing all this stuff. So it's like, you know, you're reconciling budgets at work and then you've got to come home and work on your taxes, filing your taxes. And then at the end of the day, you're just like, I am just exhausted. You're like, I didn't physically do a lot, but my brain is so tired. And if you think about that's how toddlers feel. That's what they're they're doing. Heavy brain work. (laughs) Yes. Every day, just learning to be little people. And so no wonder they need naps. No wonder they get cranky (laughs) um, because they're doing heavy brain work developmentally just with what's what's going on and how they're growing and learning and changing. Yes. Yes. And that's one of the things that we need to remember because we can get frustrated. I think sometimes with toddlers, just because they do get cranky or they do get frustrated very easily. And it is what you're saying. It's just, it's almost an overload for them. Mm -hmm. And if you think about how you feel when you're overloaded, I think it Mm -hmm. helps us to be able to process, wow, 
you know, yeah. I have had many years of learning how to deal <laughs> with being on overload. You know, this child has only had three years of time yeah. to learn how to deal with overload. And so hopefully it's going to help us be able to find ways to be more empathetic as we're teaching, but also to think about having things in a classroom that are calming so that sometimes you can be doing active things. Sometimes you're doing calming things that you are helping them to be able to maintain um, their emotions a little bit better. Balance. And, yes. And remembering yeah. that, you know, especially if you've been, if you have one of those Sundays where maybe the parents are serving and so you have a long morning because you maybe have Bible study and then several worship services and maybe they're doing music or something. And so that toddler's been at church from eight that morning mm -hmm. until, and now it's hitting 12, 1215, 1230. They are going to really start to wear down. And so we yeah. have to remember how long have they been here? What have we been right. doing with them? You know, how, so it's, it's really important. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I've always said, if, if toddlers can talk, they can memorize scripture. Yes. Um, and we, we, I'm hitting that phase with my own children. Um, they have songs memorized that they can sing. And so that's one of the things that we were trying to do is we're learning um, scripture that's put to music. So learning scripture songs yeah. um, as, as a really effective means of teaching scripture, you know, even to kids, you know, two years old, um, you know, learning to sing these songs that are scripture, um, yes. reading from picture Bibles. Um, my daughter likes to request David and Goliath. <laughs> I'm <her> <laughs> uh, um, praying with them. We had a really, really had a really precious moment where, you know, we were going to bed and, and she said something to the effect of like, pray. And so I prayed another little prayer. And then she said, my too little. And I said, Oh, no, baby, you're not oh. too little. And so she kind of, yeah, prayed this little mumbly prayer of like, Thank you for food. Mumble, mumble. Thank you. Nap. Amen. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, baby. Yes, and so, so just, sweet. yeah, just facilitating those moments and those times of scripture reading and prayer and scripture memory. Um, there's so many ways that we can start incorporating these spiritual disciplines and these spiritual habits in little ways, even with our toddlers. It is. And it, again, it, it becomes some of these routines that we think, oh, you know, we're just, it's rote praying, but you know what? Rote praying is fine because it's yeah. helping them learn how to talk to God and when to talk to God. And if you find those little moments, like we would always pray we had actually one of the churches where I served, there was a fire hall right across the street. And so every so often, you know, the, you would see the fire, you'd hear the fire yeah. truck and see the fire truck. Yeah. And the kids would all run to the window when they would hear the siren. <laughs> and so we would just stop. And, and, and this was a preschool class. It was a very young class. We would just stop and we would pray for the firemen mm -hmm. and pray for the people they were going to help. And so it's finding little moments whether it's getting ready to have a snack and praying before you eat or praying for a siren when you hear a siren or, you know, finding those times to sing those songs and do those things that, that help them begin to really place spirit, their own personal spiritual disciplines into their lives mm -hmm. because they're beginning to learn, oh, these are the things that we can pray about and these are the things that we can do. Yeah. And focusing on basic theological truths. And so I know Valerie and I both have one of these. <laughs> I keep it close. Yes. All the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this is a great resource from Lifeway. And there are 
I'm sure other things like this as well that you can find levels oh, yes. of biblical learning um, that kind of helps um, put basic theological truths in wording, in phrasing um, that's really good to use with yes. not only toddlers, but kids at any age. And, and as it sort of progresses through ages, these basic theological truths that you start out with as a toddler, that God is good, grows with them as they grow and as they age to where, you know, by the time they're a teenager, it's like, God is good and holy. And because of that, he, you know, right. provides salvation for us. And so, yes. you know, it, it's well, they a become more complex yes. as their brains can understand more complex issues. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we have to understand that when we say, and we talked a little bit about this, when we talked about leading a child to Christ, we talked about using church terminology. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that the, you know, the younger children really don't necessarily understand these more complex ideas. And so we want to make sure that we're using developmentally the correct phrasing, just like they do in school. You know, this is what we're taught. If, if you are an educator, this is what we're taught about teaching elementary students about their development and how they understand things and how you build on concepts to help them grow and understand. It's exactly the same because children learn whether they're learning math or they're learning spiritual disciplines. They're learning in the same physical cognitive way. It's just different information. And so we have to look at the big picture for them. Yeah. And so with our, our older preschoolers, um, there's a lot of similarities. Um, one of the things that we see with our older preschoolers are threes, fours, fives. Um, they have a hard time seeing from another person's perspective. They really um, oftentimes can't take another person's perspective. So they're very self-centered. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Saying you need to share. Imagine how happy Sally will be when you share with her. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere because no. they <laughs> can't. Um, cognitively understand that or think through that. Right. Um, you know, they can't read yet. They understand the world through images and symbols. And so having visual cues and visual reminders throughout the classroom mm -hmm. um, can be helpful. Even like a little visual chart with your schedule that's, you know, a picture of a Bible first and a picture of a goldfish next, and then a picture of, you know, your story time circle you know, having visual cues throughout your classroom or like um, having like a little picture of a little cartoon child sitting crisscross applesauce, you know, with their hands to themselves. Be like, OK, remember, this is this is how we act. This is how right. we behave um, can be can be very helpful um, as well as using pictures and illustrations while we mm -hmm. teach, um, focusing on those visual elements for this yes. age. Yes. Preschoolers also. And this is a big one for me. They have difficulty or cannot distinguish between reality and fiction. And so one of the interesting things is, you know, asking preschoolers, where do dreams happen? Well, dreams happen in my room. You ask an older child, where do dreams happen? Oh, well, dreams happen in my head. Right. And so understanding that um, there are some things that are presented as being very real, you know, you can go and you can meet Cinderella she's a fictitious character. Mm -hmm. um, and so Jesus, who we can't meet, is real though. And so trying to make some distinctions between um, what is fiction, what is real, yes. and what is not real. Um, I've had this discussion with a lot of leaders over the years, and there is a lot of varying ideas on what they believe about what children understand that is fantasy and what children mm -hmm. understand that's reality. And this is the way that I've always looked at it. When we are at church, mm -hmm. I want them to learn about Jesus. 
-hmm. And I want them to understand about Jesus. And so what I want to make sure is that everything I teach in my classroom is true and real. Amen. So that means that I'm not going to have Cinderella on the wall, or I'm not going to have Santa Claus at Christmas, or I'm not going to have the Easter Bunny at Easter. And it's not because I don't understand that children can process some things differently. And there are some kids that never believe that the Easter Bunny is real. And I understand that there are a lot of children that can believe in Cinderella and believe in Jesus in completely different ways, because I do. But my focus at church mm-hmm. is to make sure that they know that every word that I speak is true. Mm-hmm. And if I'm talking about Cinderella or Santa Claus, then it makes it harder, especially for preschoolers to understand what I'm talking about when I'm telling something that's true and when I'm talking about fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't want there to be a, a line anywhere there. I, I want it to be very clear and very straightforward. When we're at church, everything we talk about is true. And so if I'm teaching, if I have something on the walls, if I'm using a material for something, it's going to be something that is true. Yes. Yes. And so that's one of those things. It's like, you know, we personally have, you know, Elmo or whatever in our home, Yes, but we don't have that at church. And so that is one of those things. Like if, you know, someone donates a a toy or or a princess or whatever, I'll be, I'll say, you know, thank you graciously and be like, okay, we're going to kind of call that out just for the exact reasons that you're saying that, that, um, you know, everything that we have in our churches is scripturally focused, is focused on Jesus. And you're right, supports that truth of God's word. That's one thing that I always shared with church members when they were going to donate Mm -hmm. was that I asked for their permission. And I would say, I appreciate your donation. If it's something that we can't use in our area, do you mind if I donate it to another type of ministry? And if they have issues with that, then I, I say, well, maybe if you, you know, Maybe there's another place that that could be used more, you know, um, than here, you know, because I don't want to offend, but right, I also wanted to right. make sure they knew because a lot of times if they donated things, they'd come looking for it. <laughs> and so I wanted to no. be really upfront and say, you know, I might not be able to use this if I can't, right. you know, may I, may I donate it to someone who could, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, with our preschoolers, um, you know, we can do a lot of the same spiritual practices like what we do with our toddlers, memorizing scripture through song, um, using our picture Bibles, focusing on those basic biblical truths. Um, Valerie and I have talked about this in another episode, how much we love having centers or zones um, in our preschool rooms for lots of hands-on learning. Yes, yes. Lots of hands-on learning. And having the same Bible thought at each center. Yes. Because I don't want to be teaching a lot of different concepts to preschoolers at one time because they're not going to catch it all. And so even though it might feel repetitive to you as an adult, to a preschooler, they really love repetition Mm -hmm. and they really feel comfortable with having something because how, when you get to the end of a book, when you read a book with a preschooler and you get to the end of the book, what do they say? Again, read it again. (laughs) They love repetition. They love that comfort (laughs) feeling of something that they're already familiar with. So if every center can have the Bible thought there for you to tell them, to read to them, to show them, 
it, it's, it may feel repetitive to you, but to them, they're going to really understand the concept so much better if they get it over and over and over again. Absolutely. And, and, you know, preschoolers, some, some of them may be in like an academic preschool environment, but the vast majority of them aren't accustomed to and haven't been taught to like sit through a, a traditional classroom lesson. And yes. so, you know, that's one of the other reasons why those centers um, are so useful and so important is that yeah. you are meeting them where they are in the ways that they naturally learn yeah. um, and not trying to, um, you know, put them into a classroom environment that they're just not really used to or ready yes. for yet. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And so you, you want to make sure that you have those types of things available to them so that they can, so that they can learn at their best. And that's really mm -hmm. what we're wanting. So our early elementary children, um, they are very concrete thinkers. Um, they understand the world in very literal and physical ways. Probably mm -hmm. one of the, one of my favorite just thoughts and illustrations of that is talking to um, a kindergartner once. And I was just kind of joking around with her and I said, oh, I'm just pulling your leg. And she looks down, she says, she looks at her leg. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> And yes. so, so, I was like, oh, oh, this, you will forever be, I mean, that was probably like 15 plus years ago when that happened. I'm like, you will forever be my illustration of concrete thinking. Yes. Um, and so, you know, kids, el younger elementary kids really um, don't have a lot of abstract thinking, cognitive no. skills yet. No. Um, they do not so understand sarcasm, just to let you know. <laughs> As, if you have that kind of humor, they're not going to get They're it. just going to be confused. They're just going to be very confused and look at you like you're a very strange person. And so if whenever we do need to, to teach abstract concepts, we want to attach that to um, like a physical action or something concrete. So for example, you know, honesty is understood within the context of, okay, honesty is, is telling the truth, even if you get in trouble for it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you try to, ask, you know, younger elementary children be like, oh, well, you know, what is an example of, you know, honesty or how what would honesty look like in this situation, this hypothetical situation? They're not, they're not going to be able to cognitively process, process that and give you the sort of answer that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But if you can take that concept of what it is to be honest and attach it to an action, then they can understand and they can track with that. Mm -hmm. um, another example is, you know, love is Jesus died for me, even though I disobeyed him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are ways to teach these more abstract concepts by attaching them to concrete actions. So. Yes. Yes. First, second, and third graders are typically at different educational levels, even if they are the same age. And so some years you may have a group that are really strong readers. And then there are some years you're going to have kids that are not strong readers and that are struggling in that area. And maybe that they're not quite as academically advanced. So you really want to be cautious about reading and writing in those early elementary years. You want to be sure that you think about a lot of teachers have that system of just saying, okay, Tommy, will you read the verse for us? Even if Tommy's in third grade, he may not feel comfortable reading out loud. So for me, when it comes to reading and writing, I ask for volunteers Right. a lot in the first, second, and third grade area, because you really want to make sure that they are able to feel comfortable in church. And so we don't want to put them on the spot during those years. 
Yeah, absolutely. One of the other um, cognitive skills that we see um, beginning in the early elementary years is seriation, mm -hmm. which is just a fancy word for putting things in a logical order or sequence. Yes. And so you can, you know, line up the blocks from smallest to largest. You can um, explain the order of, you know, what you do in the classroom. Like, okay, we come in first, we sit down, we do the color page, then we do this, then we do that. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, one of the ways um, in talking about parents with their children understanding the gospel. I mean, the gospel is itself a very like logical order and sequence, mm -hmm. you know, God rules. He is just, he is, he is the creator. He makes the rules. I send, I am a sinner. I need Jesus, so on and so forth. And right. so the gospel itself is a very logical, very orderly sequence. And so that's one of the reasons why in the elementary years we see that kind of starting to click with kids mm -hmm. is they are understanding that sequence um, as they are developing this cognitive skill that's just part of their natural development. Um, it, it finds this sort of application within our spiritual life as well. Yes. Well, that's one of the reasons, one of the activities that I love for early elementary kids are putting things in order, putting mm -hmm. Bible verses in order, yes. putting story topics in order. It helps them to process. It helps them to learn better, but it also is something that they can do. They can look at a verse and match it in order. And so helping them with the sequencing helps them with the processing. Mm -hmm. And during these years um, of the sort of the elementary years in general, um, it's, we see a lot of slow sort of steady growth in their brain development, in their, you know, actual, you know, brain building. They're building these um, new neural connections, these new synapses. Um, and so we don't necessarily see that sort of rapid rocket ship development that we see during the toddler years. It's yeah. more slow um, and steady one of the things, this is from um, a TED Talk by researcher um, Allison Gopnik, which is very interesting. You know, and she does talk about how, you know, kids are sponges. Yes. Um, and, and one of the things is that whenever we say that kids don't pay attention, what we really mean is they can't stop paying attention <laughs> to all the interesting things around them and focus on just one thing. And so we've talked That's about great. this in a previous episode about setting up your classroom, you know, like one of the things I talk about there is teaching from a corner where you are the most interesting thing that they have to look at. <laughs> there's yeah. not a window, there's not a door they can look out. Yeah. Um, not a lot so, of things on the walls to distract yes. them or for them to pay attention to. Yes. Yes. And so, um, and so, you know, understanding that it's not that they're not paying attention, it's that there's so many interesting things to pay attention to. And so yeah. we want to create a very interesting environment, interesting activities. Um, we want to make our teaching interesting to yeah. gain and hold their attention. Yes. And, and their ability to be able to process is so different from ours in the mm -hmm. way that they look at things. A lot of times we will say things like, you know, can you not tell that I'm upset? Or can you not tell that this, you know, made Tommy mad when you took his toy? And it's because they aren't processing right. facial expressions. They aren't processing. They're learning all that they're, stuff. They're learning yeah. how to do that. Yeah. And so maybe they don't. And so I never just assume that there's a reason why a child has done something because sometimes they aren't necessarily focusing on the same thing that the rest of the group is focusing on or that I am focusing on because there's different, different developmental levels for them to be able to do. Yeah. And really the elementary years are, are super, super crucial. Um, 
more and more research is coming out um, about how important these childhood years are to really value formation um, and just being so foundational for the rest of an individual's life. So I've got another quote that I'm going to share. This is from um, a study from um, Barna, from the Barna Institute, who does a lot of research into ministries and churches and all that kind of stuff. Um, If you want to shape a person's life, whether you are most concerned about his or her moral, spiritual, physical, intellectual, emotional, or economic development, it's during these crucial eight years, ages five to 12, that lifelong habits, values, beliefs, and attitudes are formed. I think we used to think that, oh, all that really happens in the teenage years. But one of the things that we are discovering through more and more research is that happens in childhood. Really, by the time kids hit their teenage years, 90% of their beliefs are formed. I mean, 90% of of really the foundation is laid. Mm -hmm. Not to say that the teenagers are unimportant because they're absolutely not. And not that people can't change and develop and process and grow. They can. Right. But those childhood years are so crucial. They really are. Yes. They really, really are. And and I don't think we think about that enough. I think it's really easy for us to think, oh, they're never going to remember this. Mm-hmm. But or, or, or you know, or, or it's fine, they'll forget this at some point. But honestly, if you think back, a lot of the key moments in our lives happened when we were in those ages, when we were in elementary school, when we were yeah. growing and learning a lot of those, a lot of those moments are, are those traumatic things that we really think about for the rest of our lives, because they're things that happened at a very crucial time. And so it is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So we want to be so intentional in this time and in this season to to lay the foundation in good ways and to give mm-hmm. them, um, you know, that good, good foundation and that scriptural and biblical foundation for the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things at this age, kids tend to be very black and white in their more moral understanding. So at this age, if you if you give kids a scenario, say, OK, well, there's here's Jimmy. He accidentally broke 10 glasses all at once. And here's Susie. She broke one glass on purpose, which Mm -hmm. is worse. Well, they'll say the 10 glasses is worse, even though it was an accident. Right. Because they, um, again, don't have those sort of um, abstract thinking skills to think about a person's motivations. And so Mm -hmm. everything tends to be very black and white. Um, They have a very strong desire to please adults. Um, we see that reward systems are very effective at this age. They yes. love getting stickers. They love getting to get into the treasure box. Yes. Um, and so those, those are all developmentally appropriate things for kids this age. Go on. Yes. And they have a very good memory for mm. things. Yes. And so again, if, if you are making a promise, mm-hmm. if, if you were saying they're going to receive a sticker for an action, if you say, mm-hmm. if we clean up the room, we'll go outside for you know, playtime. If you make those kind of deals with children, they are not going to forget them. And they have a hard time understanding if there is a reason why that seems logical to you for you not to follow through. They are going to have a harder time understanding that because again, they're very black and white thinkers. So you made this promise they should be able to, to experience that promise. And so you want to be very careful. You don't want to have that idea because I hear so many teachers say, Sort of what I said just a few minutes ago. Oh, well, I'll tell them we're going to do this, but they won't remember. They're going to remember. And it's going to affect how they're going to believe you moving forward. Are you trustworthy or not? They have to believe that you are someone they can trust. 
And so you want to be very careful when you're thinking through those kinds of things with children that you're making promises that you know that you can. Now, honestly, I know that there's always something like maybe it started raining and so you can't go outside because it's not safe to go outside when it's raining with the kids. You know, I know they're not going to understand that. That's something you couldn't control. But in as much as you can, you want to make sure that you are making promises that you know that you're going to be able to follow through on because that's just the way they're just they are very concrete thinkers. Yeah. Absolutely. And so in the elementary years, um, it's also a great time to think about transitioning from like a picture Bible, like the one I'm holding to a full text Bible, like the one Valerie's holding. These are some of our favorite kids Bibles. Um, I'm a firm believer in Bibles that are from Genesis to Revelation in elementary school, especially, although I tend to give those to preschoolers as well. Sometimes they have a copy, but it's really important that they have that experience with a full Bible as soon as possible in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Scripture memorization. Again, just like what you're saying, like kids have great memories and they are great at memorization. And so even before they're able to read, we talked about learning through song or learning through like verbal repetition, back and forth, scripture memory. I mean, it's just amazing what elementary kids can memorize mm-hmm. um, because really in, in a lot of ways, their brain is set up to learn that way and to oh, be able to memorize um, all this information. And so it's, um, just, it's great because if you have that, uh, you know, I've always said, if you have God's word, if it, if it becomes a part of who you are, it changes things. And so any verse that they can memorize when they're young, it's going to come back to them when they're older. God's yes. word doesn't return void. Amen. He promises us that. And so I think as, as much as we can help them learn scripture and memorize scripture, they have fun doing it. They really do. If you make it fun, yes. you can if make you, it fun. All kinds of games and activities oh. and ways that you can make it fun. Right. Yes. And so I think it's just, it's vitally important so that they have that word that's going to carry them through. Honestly, I, honestly, the verses that I remember the best today at my age are the ones that I learned when mm-hmm. I was As seven, a kid. eight, nine years old. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's vitally important. Mm-hmm. And um, we just did an episode on sharing the gospel, but, you know, sharing the gospel with kids, um, being very intentional to do that, um, you know, routinely. Um, and and I like to, to teach the Bible. One of the reasons why I love um, the gospel project is teaching the meta narrative of scripture, the big story of the Bible and connecting everything back to Jesus back to the gospel, back to God's big plan of redemption. There are just so many things we can say about childhood development. And we said at the beginning, we knew that this was going to be hard for us to contain in one episode because we want to talk about so much. Literally, as we have been talking, I've been going, oh, we need to do an episode on this. Oh, we need to just do an episode on this. (laughs) Because there's just so much information and so many great things about this. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this episode now and we're going to leave you on a cliffhanger we we got you in early (laughs) elementary years and we're going to come back and we're going to hit the later elementary preteen and teen years Mm -hmm. um, in our next episode so you can uh, can catch us next week with the rest of our discussion on childhood development on spiritual formation Virginia, it's always so much fun to talk about these topics. I just yes. get so excited. Yes, yes. And uh, so I'm looking forward to our continued conversation, and we hope that you will be able to join us on that. Thank you so much, friends. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.